Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast brought to you by our friends at SaneBox.com. Take control of your email. You can reach Inbox Zero. It is possible. SaneBox.com. And Ethan Epstein of the Weekly Standard, when I think of Kim Jong-un, the last thing I think of is sane or sanity. I don't think he can be solved with an app. I thought you were going to say the last thing you think of is me, and I was going to take that as a compliment. (laughs) So, as uh, ships from the U.S. Navy, the Japanese Navy, etc., move around as North Korea launches more stuff, as our uh, defense missile system, THAAD, is in place in South Korea, what is the current state of the North Korea issue here in the uh, as we wrap up the first 100 days of the Trump administration? Well, things have definitely changed. Uh, Barack Obama had a what he called a policy. It was sort of a non-policy masquerading as a policy, which they called strategic patience, which meant, well, if we just sit around, then eventually they maybe they'll disarm and, and they'll improve their human rights. So, obviously, that approach is over. In fact, uh, on Rex Tillerson's first trip to Korea, he explicitly said strategic patience is over. So, in place of strategic patience, we have some fairly frightening-sounding tweets. We have, again, uh, you know, the naval vessels moving towards Korea, and uh, I think the main thing we have is a little more cooperation from China. Uh, could be temporary. We don't know how long it'll last, but it does seem like they're actually starting to impose some of the UN sanctions. So, on what's North something Korea. specific that? An American who you know follows us vaguely can see that says, "Okay, something has changed with China. It isn't just China, blah blah blah, as they've done in the past. Mm-hmm, they've given sure. lip service to. Yep. You're right. Those Kims, they're trouble. Yep. But then well, nothing happened. But no, but, I mean, no one with you know they had their finger crossed behind <laughs> their back. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, well, so uh, one of the biggest illustrations of this was, of course, the uh, one of the only things North Korea is able to export uh, besides." Heroin, counterfeit money, and general misery—you know, miserable refugees—is <laughs> coal, uh, and they've you know made a pretty good industry of shipping coal to China for cash. Uh, China's actually begun to turn around those shipments from North Korea. That is potentially significant. There's more to be done, uh, given that there's no oil or gas on the Korean Peninsula. Were China to cut off oil exports into North Korea, that would truly be crippling. And uh, I do think that, you know, the Trump administration should be pushing for moves like that. You cover Korea very closely. Uh, Some of us were surprised to wake up Wednesday morning and see pictures of South Koreans protesting defensive missiles. I, you know, it's one thing to see people protesting, say, the deployment of mid-range nuclear missiles in Europe during the uh, Cold War, right. even though it turned out to be the smart strategy. And by the way, those protesters never admitted afterwards when the wall fell that it worked. Right. But it's, okay, right. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just misguided about geopolitics. I get that. Who the heck rushes in to try to stop THAAD missiles from being in place? All they do is stop bad things from hitting you. Well, you know how we have idiot protesters in America? Yes. They, they also have those in South Korea. And let me tell you an extremely disturbing anecdote. The first time I went to a North Korean human rights conference in Seoul, which featured testimony from defectors, there were protesters there accusing us of being tools of U.S. imperialism. <laughs> so there's a hard left in Korea. It's small, but mm. it's it's annoying and it's loud. Uh, w- would you describe those South Koreans that you just said were hard left as pro- Kim, pro-North Korea, pro-communism in general? What what are they for? I would, and then I'd probably be accused of slandering them. Uh, <laughs> so, no, some clearly are just ideologically hard left. Some are more, 
I'd say anti-American. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a different milieu, sure. but they all sort of arrive in the same place, which is let us genuflect before Kim Jong Un and kick the Yankees out. I just want my podcast listeners to acknowledge that I am now violating my rule of allowing someone who uses the word milieu in a sentence to stay <laughs> on the podcast. Trying to raise the level, but there of does seem to yes. be just like in the era of the Cold War, you had anti-communists and then you had anti-anti-communists, people who wouldn't defend the Soviet Union. They just hated Bill Buckley so much they couldn't stand Precisely. it. Precisely, is that what we see here? I, I, and, you know, I'd say that's probably the majority of those people. Mm-hmm. But there are also North Korea sympathizers. Okay. Grant, they're, they're vanishingly okay. small, but they exist. Okay, Ethan Epstein, I've got a bone to pick with you because I've been going around quoting you on North Korea and getting challenged. And I'm not sure I want to be the one spreading the word of Epstein. I'd rather be the one spreading the word of SaneBox.com. I use SaneBox.com. I was one of those people buried by emails. And man, I'm so glad that I discovered a way to take control of my email and put it to work for me. And that's exactly what SaneBox.com will do for you. SaneBox.com sorts through your email and moves all the trivial stuff into a different folder. The only messages in your inbox are the ones you actually want to see. Imagine that. Imagine opening your inbox that says you have like four emails and it's Got four emails, and it's not five bazillion other ones all lined up behind it. SaneBox also does sane reminders. They automatically remind me when I need to send a follow-up email. They have snooze emails that let you set aside emails that you know you need to get to but aren't a priority right now. And here's a key part. People have been asking me about SaneBox. I don't want to learn another email system. I don't want to have to buy another email thing. I like my Yahoo, my Google, my whatever. Hey, SaneBox isn't a different email. It just makes the email you have now work so much better. And SaneBox.com right now will do two things for you because you listen to this podcast. First, you get a two-week free trial. And then... If you decide, excuse me, when you decide you can't live without SaneBox, you get an extra $25 credit on top of that. Just visit SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. That's SaneBox.com, S-A-N-E-B-O-X, SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. Okay, so here's what's been happening. We did a, a podcast, and you did an astonishingly competent job last time, talking about what makes Kim Jong-un different, that he talks both about nuclearization and reunification. Right. And it's when you add the two together that, yikes. you know, Exactly, yeah. Yes. I've had several other North Korea watchers tell me since then, no, 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 no. He is the uh, pro-growth Kim. He wants economic development. That's his number one focus. Uh, do you agree, disagree? What, what are the, uh, the points we can look at to figure out which one he is? I mean, I don't agree. And I, that's I, you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. Uh, <laughs> The obviously the primary thing that Kim wants is to maintain his regime, and he's actually savvy enough to know that if he allows too much economic liberalism, he won't be able to do that. Because as soon as they let a tiny amount of sunlight in, right. you know, the people there will realize what's been done to them for the last seventy years. So you know, he'll put up a few baubles in Pyongyang, but he's not going to take serious economic reform either. Uh, you know, he can't risk sure. it. He's smart enough to realize he can't risk it. So that. is he trying to find a way to get the growth without? The liberty without the free market. Yes, and look, China, uh, you know, has it sort of did its own thing where it didn't really allow much political reform, but it mm-hmm. did allow more economic liberalization. Sure. Uh, there's no evidence that Kim is doing that. Okay. All of his, you know, economic development is the same sort of state-dominated. The five-year uh, plan. Exactly. Yes. So maybe he has a slightly better, slightly smarter five-year plan. Maybe he's yet yeah, still a five-year plan. Exactly. Yes, Maybe yes. he's catching some economic breaks, but, you know, demand for coal, energy, blah blah blah. Exactly. But it's yes. still five-year yes. plan. Okay. C- correct. Yes. All right. Good deal. So, I, I want to put you on the spot on this. 
How serious is his vision of reunification? Is it something to talk about, something to dream for, or is it something that he might put military muscle behind? I mean, I I don't want to sound like a hysteric, but I think it's it's a medium term concern. Um, there's a reason that he. I, I mean. I think there's a reason he's talking about it so much. It's clearly like a, a desire that mm-hmm. uh, he harbors and that he's and he's actually speaking to a lot of the military people about to prepare for it. Uh, obviously, some other things need to happen, like his his goal. The primary goal would, would be uh, the removal of U.S. troops from South mm-hmm. Korea, because that would make that task a lot easier. So if those if our friends, you know, protesting take power in South Korea, right. th- that will be a big favor to Kim Jong. So if Donald Trump got a phone call uh, from China saying, hey, just talking to our buddy Kim and here's what he said. He'll give up the whole nuclear program. He will. He will gut it. You can come in, IEA, etc. All you got to do is bring those pesky little American troops home. And in fact, he'll let you replace them with NATO or Euro or Asia. Oh, even better, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Asian alliance. Mm-hmm. They can have some troops here. You guys go home. Mm-hmm. Should Donald Trump take that deal? Uh, no, because... Look, I, I understand why we're obsessed with the nuclear issue. Like, it's truly terrible and frightening. But they're also, this is a slave state of 25 million people. Like, I also think that we need to demand human rights reform and liberty and ultimately regime change. A terrifying term as that is, given the events of the last 15 right. years. But I do think that that should, if, if we want to have a, any form of a moral policy towards right. Korea, we can't just accept denuclearization as the be-all and end-all. Final question. Will the efforts by President Trump to ratchet up tension uh, from Thad to the Navy to the tough talk to cooperation with China, do you think that Kim, the argument is Kim's nutty, he's on a hair trigger, it doesn't matter if you really threaten him, if he feels threatened, he's going to hit the big red button, the mortars are going to launch on Seoul, the missiles are going to go up. Is that how realistic is that danger or is that being overplayed? Do you think fundamentally Kim is a guy who wants, like you said, to stay in power, to hold on his regime, and he knows if he ever hits that button, it's a suicide button? Yeah, I look, I'm not suggesting that we bomb one of their nuclear or missile facilities. For one, because it's doubtful it would be very efficacious. Right. You know, it's the programs all over the country, parts are underground, parts are actually underwater. So, you know, right. th- it might not make strategic sense, but I'm not one of those that thinks that immediately triggers a Korean War. Because as you say, you know, he, he absolutely has the capability to kill a lot of people in Seoul, which is a horrific possibility. But that would also absolutely sow the demise of his regime. And maybe he could withstand one strike uh, without, uh, you know, precipitating right. a major war. Well, now I feel at least a little bit better if his nukes are underwater. All we have to do is call Aquaman, <laughs> which answers two questions for me. Number one, where were Kim's nukes? And number two. Why the heck would you even want a superhero who could do what Aquaman can do? Now we know. Now we know. So you've answered that question. Ethan Ethan Epstein, our resident Korea expert. Uh, Great writing at the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Daily Standard Podcast. You can find all our podcasts at weeklystandard.com or better still, just subscribe to them at iTunes or Google Play by searching Weekly Standard. When you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode of the Daily Standard, including our special features, the Confab every weekend and Crystal Clear every Friday. Plus, you can leave reviews of the podcast and let people know that you found content that you enjoy. Don't enjoy it? Have a question, comment, or complaint? Just email podcasts at weeklystandard.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Michael Graham.